ಶ್ರೀಹರಿಂ ಪರಮಂದೇಷ್ಟಾರೀಶ್ವರ ವ್ಯಾಪಕ ಸರ್ವಲೋಕಾಂಗ್ ಶಂಕರಾಚಾರ್ಯಸ್ ಅಪರೋಕ್ಷಾನುಭೂತಿ ವಿಚ್ ಇಸ್ ಅ ವೆರಿ ಬ್ಯೂಟಿಫುಲ್ ಇಂಟ್ರೊಡಕ್ಷನ್ ಟು ದ ಫಿಲಾಸಫಿ ಆಫ್ ನಾನ್ ಡ್ಯೂಯಲ್ ವೇದಾಂತ and we were on the 25th verse today we shall take up the 26th verse verse number 26 niramayo nirabhaso niramayo nirabhaso nirvikalpo hamatatah nirvikalpo hamatatah ನಿರಾಮಯಾಜಿನೇಷನ್ ahamatata i am all pervasive naham deho hasadrupa i am not the illusory body gyanam ityuchyate budhehi the wise consider this to be knowledge let's go into this before this we are seeing why we are not the body our firm identity sense of identity with the body is to be shaken with vedantic questioning am i really the body and we have seen a series of reasons pointed out you see those are not just arguments the ones which we went through earlier they are they are what is called pointing out they are pointing out to let us to let us see that we are not the body not just reason or think or believe that we are not the body or imagine that we are not the body we should see clearly of course i am not the body no more than i am the shirt that i am wearing thinking that i am the body is the height of ignorance that was the strain of the verses which we covered earlier and the verses we are going through now if that is ignorance then what is knowledge so he is showing what is knowledge let's go through them one by one the first word i want to take up is nirabhasah literally translates as without reflection now a lot of advaita philosophy non dual philosophy is packed into this short word i remarked last time that's why i did not take up this verse last time it requires at least a full full class in fact um this very word to explain this will take an hour probably to if i do, want to do justice to it just single word i looked at the commentary to this verse there's a beautiful commentary written by an explanatory commentary written by vidyaranya to aparokshanubhuti and if you look at the commentary for this word what does nirabhasa without reflection mean how does he explain it listen to the i just tell you what he says for your amusement and bemusement he says vritti vyapyatva shun vritti vyapyatva rahite vritti vyapyatva api phala vyapyatya shunyah 
what does it mean though pervaded though capable of being pervaded by the cognitions of the mind incapable of being pervaded by the uh, by illumination by reflection i'm sure that's very clear <laughs> <laughs> what does it mean that's the task before us today and it's very very important it's abstract it's philosophical but also deeply spiritual we will understand this today by the end of the class at least this much will be will be achieved that when somebody says vritti vritti vyapyatve api phala vyapyatva shunyah you'll say yeah i know that that's that's pretty easy <laughs> so that much we can hope for at the end of this class let's go into it what is the question the great question is is brahman knowable by the mind or not knowable by the mind you know if you want to put it in simple english can you know god or is god unknowable that's the question and as you can see it's a tremendous question especially in advaita vedanta non dual vedanta where you keep speaking about brahma gyana the knowledge of god knowledge of brahman keep speaking about knowledge of brahman after all what's the goal of all this we are doing what are we trying to get we are trying to get enlightenment what is enlightenment knowledge that knowledge about brahman knowledge of brahman what knowledge of brahman something that you read something that you listen to no a living knowledge of the form i am brahman that is what we are trying to get now is that knowledge possible in the mind or is it not possible why does such a doubt arise because in the upanishads which are the root texts for advaita vedanta we find both views we find the views that manasaiva anudrashtavyam it should be known or understood in the mind by the mind alone it can be grasped upanishad vedantic upanishad and yan manasana manute what can never be known by the mind avang manasagocharam beyond the mind and speech brahman is beyond mind and speech now how can the one and the same thing be knowable by the mind and unknowable by the mind is there any clear reasonable way of understanding this after all where is knowledge knowledge is in the mind any kind of knowledge you think about it's in the mind knowledge is not in in the in the thumb or in the kidney or in your liver it's in the mind so the knowledge has to come in the mind but can it come in the mind because there are any number of texts which say that brahman cannot be known by the mind and every day we sing here right here in in the in the prayer hall in the evening vespers at vakya manatita with thou art beyond speech beyond mind and the upanishads also say you can be known only by the mind so how do you unlock this mystery when we unlock this mystery we will understand what he means beyond reflection or without reflection this is how we do it please follow me carefully this is going to get serious you say oh we were not serious all these days not in comparison to what's coming today the first thing to do is to understand what happens when we know something when we know anything when i look at this glass of water what is happening 
in our day-to-day -day knowledge what happens actually. And then we can under, begin to understand what is knowledge of Brahman. The process will be first understand the process of knowledge which we use all the time. Right now we are using it. How would Advaita Vedanta explain that? And then go on to see what they mean by the knowledge of Brahman. We will see how the knowledge of Brahman is similar to how we know things and how it is dissimilar, not the same. So how do we know things in this world? The Vedantic view is Brahman is the only reality. Mind, body and this universe appear in Brahman. Brahman is pure consciousness. The special quality of the mind is that it can catch a reflection of Brahman, a reflection of pure consciousness. Pure consciousness gets reflected in the mind as reflected consciousness. The technical word for that is chidabhasa, reflection of consciousness. Consider this example. It's a very beautiful example. Suppose there's a dark room and there's a sunlight. There's sunlight outside, bright day outside. And you take a polished mirror or a steel plate, polished steel plate. And you focus the sunlight and send a beam of light into the dark room from the window. You follow me or with me? Sunlight falls on the polished steel mirror and you will find a little sun, a reflection of a sun in that mirror or in the steel plate. A sun is reflected as a little sun there. That's the reflected sun. And that light you can focus in the dark room, through the, through the window maybe, it will send a beam of light into the room. And you can see some things in the room. To see the things in the room, what do you need? You need the sunlight, you need to reflect it, and you need to focus the plate. Wherever you turn the plate, the beam of light will go there. And only that much, that, that much you will see. Exactly in the same way, non-dual Vedanta, Dvaita tells us, pure consciousness reflected in our minds, illumines whatever is in the mind. Imagine pure consciousness to be the sun, the mind to be the polished steel plate, and the reflected consciousness to be the reflected sun. And the focusing of the plate is what you think about focusing of the mind. Wherever you put the mind or whatever you put in the mind is, reflect, is illumined by the reflection of pure consciousness. That should be repeated. Whatever we think of in the mind or whatever appears in the mind is illumined by the reflected consciousness. It's illumined by the reflected consciousness. Think of pure consciousness like the sun shining upon the steel plate which is like the mind and just like the reflected little sun which is formed in the steel plate in the same way reflected consciousness is found in the mind and that reflected consciousness illumines lights up whatever is in the mind. With me so far? Sounds awfully theoretical, but it's not. In fact, the consciousness which we all feel right now, I am sentient, I am aware, I am awake, hopefully. This awakeness, this quality of being aware, that's the reflected consciousness. This is what we are calling reflected consciousness. This is what helps us to know. How does knowledge take place? Like now it's pretty easy. I look at something. The light from this glass is reflected to my eyes and my eyes convert it into whatever 
processing it does through neurons and all that, and creates an image in the mind. That, that thought, with, the wave which comes in the mind because of this information from the world outside is called a vritti. What is it called? A vritti. Vritti means modification of the mind. Modification of the mind. What modification of the mind? Any thought that we have is a vritti. Any perception that we have is a vritti. See, a glass, it's a glass vritti. Not that the vritti is made of glass, the vritti is mind, but it's about a glass. You are listening to my words, my words go into your ears, and there are vrittis, ripples and waves coming in the lake of your mind. Those ripples and waves are your mind, just like the ripples and waves in a lake are nothing but the lake, the water there. But each of those ripples or waves in the mind is about something. So if I say Om, now a vritti has come in our minds. You just heard it and a vritti came in your mind about Om, that I hear Om. Each word creates a vritti in your mind. Whatever you see creates a vritti in your mind. Whatever you taste creates a vritti in your mind. Whatever it need not be from the sense organs from the world outside. It may even be internal. If I remember th some, something, I remember something from my childhood, it's a vritti. If I fail to remember something, that's also a vritti. I can't remember. That's also a vritti. Whatever vritti comes in the mind, only thing to take away from this is it's illumined by the reflected consciousness present in the mind. So knowledge requires two things. Now you can say knowledge requires two things. One, there must be a vritti in the mind. Two, the reflected consciousness should illumine that vritti. I'll repeat that again. Any kind of knowledge you can think about, Advaita Vedanta reduces it to a vritti in the mind and consequent, subsequent illumination of the vritti by the reflected consciousness in my mind. That gives rise to knowledge. I become aware. And it's taken me so long to explain it, it happens in a flash of a second, less than a second. It happens almost together, almost. First the vritti has to come and immediately afterwards it is illumined by the reflected consciousness. How does the vritti come? Vritti means modification. How does the vritti of the mind come? It may come because of the action of the sense organs. You open your eyes and see something, hear something, smell or taste or touch something, a vritti will come. About what? Whatever you are seeing, whatever you are hearing. The sense organs take the information from the world outside and present it to the mind, giving rise to a vritti. And immediately the consciousness present in the mind illumines that vritti. And this is happening all the time. When we fall asleep, when we dream, same process is repeated. Only our sense organs are shut down. We are not aware of our gross body. We dream in the mind. But what is a dream after all? A series of internal vrittis generated by the mind itself based on samskaras, a material it has collected from the world outside in the waking state. It will generate a story. And those vrittis are lit up by the same reflected consciousness in the mind. And we get, the, we get all the experience of a dream. Then in deep sleep what happens? The mind shuts down. That's, a, that's deep sleep. What's deep sleep? When the mind shuts down. The body is already sleeping. The mind shuts down, so dream stops. No vritti. No vritti. 
and hence we do not get any knowledge. Knowledge requires vritti plus reflected consciousness. Now when the mind shuts down, the reflected consciousness can no, does not illumine anything, it just illumines the absence of vrittis. That illumination of the absence of vrittis is what we call deep sleep. In Vedanta, there's slight difference in yoga philosophy, they will say deep sleep is also a kind of vritti, but doesn't make any difference. Whatever it is, that absence of activity is illumined by the reflected consciousness and that is what we feel as deep sleep, nothingness, a blankness. Again, the mind becomes active if we dream or we wake up and our day-to-day -day knowledge starts. We are dreaming or we wake up. That is the epistemology from the non-dual Vedanta perspective. Epistemology, the, the science or the, or the philosophical aspect of knowledge, how knowledge takes place. The process of knowledge, a process of knowing. Um, now, I'll introduce two technical terms. Introduce two technical terms. Knowledge, as we saw in non-dual Vedanta, what knowledge I'm, I'm speaking about? I'm not speaking about any kind of uh, spiritual experience or anything like that. Just day-to-day -day knowledge. Every knowledge that we have, all the knowledge that we have throughout the day, it has two aspects. One is the vritti, other one is illumination of the vritti by reflected consciousness. I'm going to name these two processes. Arising of the vritti about anything is called vritti vyapti. Vritti vyapti. Sanskrit, English meaning pervasion by the vritti. Vyapti, pervasion. How does it work? I'm looking at the glass and a vritti about the glass comes in my mind. So in, in, in the philosophical terminology which we are developing now, the vritti pervades the glass now. Not out there, in my mind let's say. So the information about the glass is there in the mind. That means the mind has taken the form of the glass in, 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 inside, inside me. So there is a wave in the lake of the mind whose content is the glass. It's about the glass. So the wave pervades the glass as it were. Glass akara vritti. Vritti of the form of the glass. Simple Sanskrit. That process is called vritti vyapti. And next what happens we all know. It gets illumined by the reflected consciousness. Illumination of the vritti by reflected consciousness is called phala vyapti. Phala vyapti. Phala vyapti, pervasion of the vritti by the reflected consciousness. A lighting up of the mind by the reflected consciousness. Phala vyapti. What happens when we have phala vyapti or, or lighting up the, of, of the vritti by the, by the reflected consciousness? We get knowledge. We get the experience. I know. I see, I smell, I touch, I taste, I remember what X, Y, Z something. I feel happy, sad, miserable, excited. These are all vrittis in the mind. Without the mind you don't feel happy, sad, excited. In deep sleep, what happiness, sadness, excitement? Except complete rest, nothing else. So, knowledge requires these two together. Vritti vyapti plus phalabhyapti. Okay. Now, remember the example? 
sun shining outside, room is dark, I take a steel plate, focus the sunlight into the room and illumine bits of the room with that focused sunlight. That's how we see the world. Take the consciousness from pure consciousness, reflected consciousness. Focus the reflected consciousness through the mind, vritti, on the world. And know, know the world piece by piece, piecemeal, little by little. Now, to know something, what do I have to do? So know something in the room, what do I have to do? Focus the shining plate on, on the item which I want to know. Now let me ask you. Suppose I want to know the sun. And say, oh, turn the plate around and focus it on the sun. Why are you laughing? You'll say, how foolish. Just look at the sun or don't look at the sun. You'll get blinded. That's the problem about trying to know Brahman. Brahman is the source of the consciousness by which we know the world. God is the blazing sun of consciousness, a tiny bit of which we reflect into the world with our little minds and know this world. But when we want to know the sun itself, do you turn the plate around to the sun and you reflect the sunlight back to the sun? Ah, now the sun is illumined. No. The sun doesn't re require your tiny little reflected light. You can reflect it back, no problem. But it doesn't require. All you need to do is turn towards the sun. All you need to do is turn towards the sun. In our technical language, you need... Halab vyapti is not necessary. Follow this carefully. Reflected consciousness is necessary for lighting up objects which our vrittis bring into the mind. I'll repeat that. Reflected consciousness in the mind is necessary for illumining objects which our vrittis are bringing into the mind. But that reflected consciousness is not necessary to illumine the original consciousness, pure consciousness. Just as the reflected little sun is not necessary to illumine the real sun. All that is necessary as you turn towards the sun, in the same way, our vritti must be about, not the sun, about Brahman. Vritti about, let me repeat the process, vritti about the glass, there's a vritti about the glass in my mind that is illumined by the reflected consciousness, chidabhasa, vritti about the glass, vritti vyapti. Illumination by reflected consciousness, phalabhyapti. Now, what they are saying is, to know Brahman, we need Brahmakara vritti. A vritti, a modification in the mind about Brahman, about God. But, the difference will be, just like the little reflected sun actually does not illumine the real sun. It's ridiculous to think of, about that. In the same way, the reflected consciousness, the awareness which we have in our minds just now, by which we know the world, which is basically the source of light for our lives, that little light which we have within us cannot, is not necessary for revealing Brahman. Brahman blazes forth with a million times, a billion, uncountable infinities more consciousness than we ever have experienced or possessed. That is our real nature. Conclusion, technically speaking, for knowing anything in the world, we require a vritti, modification in the mind, plus reflected consciousness, the reflection of consciousness. 
for knowing or realizing Brahman, we require a vritti. The mind has to think about God, has to be focused, focused on Brahman or the self. But we do not require that reflected consciousness. Now do you understand what he means by saying without reflection? Nirabhasa, without reflection. Just one word, he puts it there. <laughs> the whole thing is packed into it. Now the so-called clarification offered by the commentator. Vritti vyapyatve api phalavyapyatva shunyaha. This is Navyanaya language. Language of the neologicians. While being pervaded by the vritti, incapable of being pervaded by the illumination, by the reflection. Can you follow? Very easily. Vritti vyapti, you need a vritti. You need, you, mind needs to be concentrated on God. How? We shall see. Mind needs to be concentrated on God. I cannot keep looking at the dark room with that steel plate focusing the light and yet see the sun. No, I need to turn away from the dark room and look at the sun. Right? So that is necessary. The mind has to be tuned to God. But the light within the mind, the little reflected consciousness is not necessary to reveal God. Brahman, the Atman, our real nature, pure consciousness is shining forth in the Gita when Arjuna wanted to see Krishna's real form. He prayed to Krishna, show me thou real nature, thou, thy real form. And he's the poet, beautiful language, unmatched poetry there. Yugapat, as if simultaneously, a thousand suns have risen in the sky. Oh, that'll be terrible. We'll all burn up. But the light is not, not it's scorching. It's, it doesn't burn you. But it's as bright as a thousand suns rising together in the sky. It is said that Oppenheimer, when the first atom bomb was tested, not far from here, I think New Mexico? New Mexico? When he saw that first time man split the atom in an explosion, that light, Oppenheimer was a scholar of Sanskrit. He says, the lines, this, this line came to my mind. I come the destroyer of worlds as bright as a thousand suns. Now that's a material light. We are not talking about an explosion of an atom bomb. Don't be afraid. That's a material light. Here we are speaking about the light of consciousness. It's not a material light. Consciousness itself is compared to light. Why is it compared to light? Just as a material light destroys darkness. Room was dark, switch on the light, darkness goes. In the same way, consciousness destroys ignorance. Without consciousness, blank. With consciousness, we are aware. So consciousness is compared, light is a beautiful um, uh, metaphor for consciousness. So, the mind is focused on Brahman, Vritti Vyapti is there. Reflected consciousness cannot illumine Brahman. Devoid of illumination by the reflection of consciousness. Now it's simple. You'll say, oh yeah, I, I understand that. <laughs> this is the meaning of Nirabhasa. One word. How then do we realize Brahman? 
Now we have a very precise understanding of what is meant by knowledge of Brahman. Think about these things later on after the class. What is meant by knowledge of Brahman? One thing we, can, we are sure of now is that the vritti about Brahman has to be created. Somehow the mind has to be focused on Brahman, the self, the pure consciousness within. But how do you do that? All of our spiritual practices are there. There are two things involved. You must turn away from the dark room and look at the sun. In the same way, turn away from the experience of the world and look within. Paranchikhani vyatrinat swayambhu tasmat parang pasyati nantaratman. The Upanishad says, our senses flow continuously outwards. Hence we see the world, we see ourselves, we see our minds. That's all. We do not see the Atman. We don't even know about the existence of the Self. Avritta chakshur, kashchid dhira, avritta chakshur, pratyagatmana Some spiritual practitioner, some dhiraha, great spiritual hero. Who's that? That's you. The Upanishad means us. What does this person do? He or she withdraws from the world outside. Avritta chakshu literally means covering the eyes, doesn't, doesn't mean just shutting the eyes. Not using the senses to flow outwards, occasionally at least turn inwards, settle down the mind and focus on Brahman. How? With the help of the Upanishad, with the help of the teaching. This is where the teaching becomes important. You say, all that I have to do is close my eyes and sit down. Will I realize Brahman? No. We will not. It has, that sitting down has to be lit up with the knowledge of the Upanishads, with the, with the, with the Vedantic teaching. Shravana manana nididhyasana. Listening to the teachings, understanding them, studying it, thinking deeply about it. That thinking deeply already is focusing the mind on it. Listening has focused the mind on it, thinking deeply has focused the mind on it. Then meditation comes. Then, not with our own reflected consciousness, but with the thousand suns, the, the brilliance of Brahman within, that shines forth. That is Brahma Jnana. Another beautiful example I'll give you. I heard this in the Himalayas, in Haridwar. Beautiful example. Um, I was sitting at a gathering of monks, and one of the, the teachers, the Swami who was teaching, he just mentioned uh, something about a solar eclipse. Eclipse. A solar eclipse, I didn't quite understand. What's the relevance? And then another monk explained it to me. You don't know what it means? It means this. Normally what happens at night, the moon illumines the world. We see the world with moonlight. I mean, in natural circumstances. We see it with street lights here, but uh, in, usually, I mean, the moon, moon shines upon the dark world. How does that moonlight come? It comes from the sunlight which is reflected from the moon to the earth. The moon doesn't have light of its own. It reflects the sunlight upon the earth and we see things in the earth. Now, exactly like that, can you match it now? Pure consciousness, mind, reflected consciousness, we know the world. The world is like the night, the world at night. Our world is like that, without light. And the mind is like the moon. And pure consciousness, you, the, you, Atman, pure consciousness, you are like the sun. At night what happens? We see only the moon and the moonlight and the world with moonlight. 
In our day-to-day -day life, what happens? We experience only the mind and the awareness in the mind. And with the awareness in the mind, we experience our life. At night, look at the beauty of this example. The sun is never seen at night. But yet, whatever we are seeing, we call it moonlight, but it is really sunlight. Throughout our lives, we are aware of the mind and the awareness in the mind, and that's how we experience our lives. We call it mind and awareness and consciousness, but really it is none other than Brahman, which is shining on and through our minds. This is our day-to-day -day life. Now, what about enlightenment, Brahma Jnana, what happens? The example of the eclipse comes in there. Such a beautiful example. The monk said to me, sometimes, what we call an eclipse, in an eclipse, what happens? The moon comes in between the earth and the sun. So the sunlight does not come to the earth. The earth becomes dark. And the sunlight falls on the moon and gets reflected back to the sun. Right? I mean, in, in the lunar eclipse also, this, I mean, what happens is the, we don't see the moon. So the moonlight gets reflected back to the sun. Now two things happen. We are, the earth becomes dark. We are unable to see. There's no moonlight on earth. Because the light is not being reflected back to the earth. And second thing is, the sunlight falls on the moon and gets reflected back to the sun. But will you say that the moonlight, reflected sunlight, is illumining the sun? No, 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 absolutely not. The sun is shining forth with, with, the, with the light of 10 million moons. And even the moonlight is its own light. Exactly like that, in illumination, Brahmakara Vritti, at the moment of enlightenment, what happens is you lose complete sight of the external universe, of our, our lives, external mind, everything, our individuality. And Brahman, whose consciousness is being continuously sh it's shining on the, on the mind, it gets reflected back to Brahman itself. Not that it illumines Brahman, Brahman reveals itself. It's a beautiful example, I mean, such a fantastic example for enlightenment. Still an example, of course. So that is nirabhasa, without reflection. The reflected consciousness in the mind cannot illumine Brahman. So you are Brahman, which cannot be known by the reflected consciousness in your mind. But you are that Brahman. Now let's look at the other words. These are relatively simpler. Niramaya. Amaya means disease. I am Brahman. I am ever free from disease. Oh, this is great. Then everyone will come to, uh, to, to Advaita Vedanta if we can be free from disease. But, ah, wait. What he means is Brahman is free from disease. Doesn't mean the body will be free from disease. Actually, even the body gets free from disease to a certain extent. When we realize ourselves as not the body and not the mind, that very realization, that very enlightenment has a very good effect on both the body and mind. Swami Brahmananda says, says, he says to a young monk, my boy, give your body and mind to God, it will be protected. Give it to the world, the world will destroy it will destroy both. 
Protected means not that it will not die, it will never not get old, it will not get some disease or the other, but it will definitely be much better off than what it would be if you throw it into the world. So Niramaya, even in a very practical sense, even if you want to fight, you want to be a healthy life, free from disease. Physical disease, mental disease, intellectual disease. Physical disease, different kinds of ailments in the body. And that will be less for a spiritual person, generally. Of course, you cannot prevent everything. Something is congenital, something is... I mean, Sri Ramakrishna goes into samadhi. He comes down from samadhi. Not that his broken hand is healed or the cancer in the throat is healed. No. But in general, definitely. Mental. The effect is even more on the mind. You see, almost every kind of psychosomatic disease in the physical body and in the mind, caused by the mind and effect on the physical body, is because of worldliness. Too much, too much involvement with the world and the persons of the world has a terrible impact on the body and mind. Give your mind to God, give your heart to God, you will see the mind is so peaceful, so serene. It will be ups and downs. There will be ups and downs always. But in general, much better. And the mind itself causes many diseases. They are called psychosomatic diseases. You will be free of that. Then intellectual, the disease of the intellect is not knowing what, what the reality is. When you think, when you, your understanding is, I am the body and mind. The body and mind have, uh, it imposes a great strain on the body and mind. When your understanding is, I am not the body and mind, I am the pure consciousness shining upon and in and through the body and mind. The body and mind relax. That, in that thinking that I am the body and mind is the, is the disease of the intellect. It's called ajnana, ignorance. Cure for that disease is knowledge. What knowledge? This knowledge. So, disease at the level of the intellect is removed. Ignorance is removed. Niramaya, beyond disease. So, realizing oneself as Brahman, in that sense, Brahman of course is beyond disease. Diseases are of the body or the mind. Brahman has no disease. And when you realize yourself as Brahman, beyond disease. So many such examples are there in our, all our spiritual traditions. Hari Maharaj, Swami Turiyanandaji, in his old age in Kashi, one day suffering very much from asthma, I think. Asthma or some other disease. And... Then somebody asked him, are you suffering very much? And he said in Bengali, Thakur Amar Bhetorta Barof Yes, there is this burning of the disease outside. Inside, I am like a mass of ice. So cool, absolutely. By the grace of God, I am absolutely calm inside. Untouched by the disease, the ravages of the disease outside. The disease is there at the level of the body. I know myself to be untouched. Mahapurush Maharaj in Banaras, Swami Shivanandaji, at night one day, one day the young monks were serving him. He was very old at that time and suffering from severe asthma. And he was panting, unable to sleep, so I had to sit on the bed at night. Next in the morning, the anxious monks rushed to him and said, Swami, are you suffering very much? And he said with a smile, a serene face, he said with a smile in Bengali again, Last night, Baba Vishwanath, Shiva, who is a lord of, of Banaras, 
He came to me and separated the two. He doesn't say which two. But separated the two. Two means body-mind is one and pure consciousness. I am, I am pure consciousness. Separated means he is established in his true, true nature. One can transcend the sufferings of the body. It is possible. I have myself seen senior monks, even young monks. This isn't the path of knowledge. Path of bhakti also exactly the same thing. I just remembered a doctor in a hospital in Calcutta told me, a young monk, younger than me, uh, he was a junior to us, and he was working in the hospital. One day he was walking and he felt dizzy and he felt something strange. And because he was in a hospital, he asked a doctor. And doctor said, well, you can get a checkup, a scan. They scanned him and they found a malignant tumor in his brain. He, he was in his... Mm, he was 30, I think, 30 or 31, a malignant tumor in his brain. And by the time they started treatment, within weeks, it grew so much and it became so much worse that slowly he began to deteriorate and he was bedridden and within months he passed away. Now the doctor who treated him told us later in a conference, he said, one of the most remarkable patients I have is this monk. And a young monk, he's not very senior, very advanced, no, no, just... Mr. Monk. And he said, I used to feel so bad that I can't do anything for this young man who at the prime of his life is, is about to die. But this monk reassured me, encouraged me by saying that, Doctor, don't feel, feel sad about me. I am not sad. I have given everything to Sri Ramakrishna, to the Holy Mother. I really don't have any, any, uh, any desires left or any kind of complaint or any kind of misery, or any kind of uneasiness about this. Whatever they do, whatever the Lord does, is perfectly alright with me. And he died in peace. So it can work through the path of bhakti also. The same thing. That was, that was a devotional approach. We are looking at it in, in a, from the approach of knowledge here. Niramaya. Not that all diseases will be cured, but you transcend disease. Nirvikalpa. Here nirvikalpa means beyond or without imagination. A vast amount of our problems are imagination. Let's take it at two levels. One is day-to-day -day life. A vast amount of our problems are imagination. What are they saying about me? First thing we want to know, interested in is what are they saying about me? I remember I was walking in, in a school, and one of our schools, I was a new, I was a novice, and a very senior monk was with me. I was walking with him, and our usual path and on which we walked that day, he said, let's take the other path. We took the other path. What happened, Swami? He said, look, those students who were standing there, the students of our ashrama, I overheard my name, they were speaking about me, so we should not go by that path, we should go by this path. They are speaking about me, hence I do not want to know. You see the reversal? Imagination. They are saying something bad about me. Or they are saying something good about me. Both of which I, I desperately want to know. No, I do not want to know. What's going to happen in the future? Before anything happens, by expectation or by anxiety. I've already destroyed half my health. <laughs> I'm afraid of what's going to happen. This might happen or that might happen. Nothing has happened. It's Im imagination. 
or expectation of something nice. I'll get something. You see, they say, it's a well-known fact in economics, that when there is a bump in salary, even before you have received the bump in salary, there's a bump in your spending. <laughs> you feel nice. I'm going to get a few thousand dollars more next month onwards. You already start spending. Imagination. You will get it, of course, but still. Just the imagination, that the expectation of getting it makes you feel nice and you feel like spending more. So, imagination in a hundred different ways. Pain. Oh, I attended this medical conference on pain. The whole conference. There were more than 500 doctors. The entire conference for three or four days was on pain. Physical pain, mental pain, whatever. So there was one session on how spirituality can help patients in pain, especially those who have chronic pain. And one of the doctors gave a beautiful presentation. He showed trying to measure pain, discomfort levels. And he showed, he drew circles, concentric circles. Tiny circle within is the actual perceived physical pain. A bigger circle is the expectation of pain. It's starting again, it's going to hurt, it's going to hurt, it's going to hurt. Expectation of pain. That's bigger part of pain than the actual pain itself. And the biggest circle around it is the discomforts associated with pain. Because of pain, I can't go there. Because of this disease or that problem, I can't do this or do that. I can't visit that place. I'll be tired. I'll, I'll have these problems. The discomforts associated, the social discomfort, physical discomfort associated with it, the idea about that, is all this is going to happen. That is the nebulous region around it. That plus the imagination of pain, expectation of pain, and the actual pain, which is only a tiny portion. He says the medicine addresses the actual pain and, some, and, and he said something quite horrible. He said actually we have, we have studied this and in most cases painkillers don't work much. They only have a limited effect. For some people they have a limited effect, for some people they have almost no effect. And it's a multi-billion dollar international industry. But one effect they have, they destroy your health also, whatever is remaining. <laughs> So reduction of pain only partially possible. But he says the rest of it is psychological. It's psychological. We expect that pain and we become afraid. We, we stiffen up and we, we suffer. We start suffering because of the pain. So imagination. This is at one level. This is the basic level. We can get off, rid of this. In spiritual practice, get rid of it. Don't be so concerned with yourself. Let us not be so concerned with ourselves. Our little bodies and minds, they are strictly temporary. Don't be so concerned. They come and go. Deeper level, nirvikalpaha. According to Advaita Vedanta, the entire appearance, all that we see outside and experience outside, our own bodies and our little lives, Mr. So-and-so or Mrs. So-and-so or Swami So-and-so, these little lives, the entire thing is imagined in Brahman. Swami Vivekananda writes, one alone exists, dreaming all this dream. So what do you do? Either you wake up, or you dream better dreams. Don't dream nightmares. Let vision cease. Or if you cannot, 
dream but truer dreams, which are eternal love and service free. What a beautiful philosophy of life, eternal love and service free, unconditional love for everybody and everything and service free, without any condition on service. Nirvikalpaha, beyond imagination, without, ima with, without imagining this universe, the stay with reality, which is Brahman. Aham atataha, I am all pervading. Why am I limited right now? Why am I here and not there? Because I think I am the body. Think of yourself as space, where are you not? You are everywhere in this room because you are space. You are everywhere outside this room. The room is within you. If you think of yourself as the body, you are inside the room. If you think of yourself as space, the room is inside you. The moment I do not imagine myself as this universe or the observer of the universe, I become all pervasive. The universe shines in my consciousness, including this body and mind. When I say universe shines in my consciousness, I'm not asking for any imagination. I'm just reporting a fact. Dispute it, the universe shines in your consciousness. Where else do you experience the universe except in your consciousness? Where else do you experience your body except in your consciousness? So, no, 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 Swami, you're wrong. I experience consciousness in the body. Oh, really? Think about what you are saying. If you experience consciousness in the body, I experience water in the glass. Proof, I can separate the water and the glass. If I pour out the water, I'll make a big mess. But there'll be water and there'll be the glass. If you say consciousness is something in the body, can you separate consciousness and the body? Can you experience the body apart from consciousness? Can you as being unconscious experience a body? No. Whatever we experience is in our consciousness. It's a truism. I'm just reporting a, a truism, a, a fact. So as consciousness, I'm all pervading because everything shines within me. And hence, Naham Deho Hasadrupo. I am not the body, which is like a dream body, which appears in consciousness, which is not real. What is all this we talked about? Jnanam Mityuchyate Budehi. This is knowledge. This is knowledge according to whom? According to the wise Buddha. Not Buddhu in Hindi. Buddhu means fool. And Buddha means, that's from the word from which Buddha has come. It, it means the wise, the awakened. According to the awakened, this is knowledge. What we spoke about. Everything else is what words which we read in books. Everything else is tradecraft, skill. Something you learn to, to, for your livelihood. Everything else is empirical science. But the ground of all knowledge that we gather in the university there is the knowledge of Brahman. Brahma Vidya Sarva Vidya Pratishtham. In Mundakopanishad it is said, the knowledge of Brahman is the foundation of all knowledge, is the culmination of all knowledge. Sri Ramakrishna says, one gives value to all the zeros. Take all the zeros, no value, they're still zero. Put one before them, all the zeros get value. The knowledge of reality and then every other knowledge adds to it. Knowledge without, real, without knowledge of reality all the other knowledge, confusion. We're still not getting to reality. It's useful. Knowledge of science and technology and everything else is very useful. But it does not give satisfaction. And it does not take you to enlightenment. And it does not solve the ultimate questions of life, ultimate problems of life. The ultimate problems of life are solved by this knowledge.
I think I'll take a couple of questions now. We have done this verse. I don't want to start a new one right now. Questions? Yes. Shamiji, two questions. One is, we are talking about chitta vritti nirodha. Yes. If the, that means the vritti in the mind, if I stop it or uh, subside it, then uh, how the, we know the Brahman with the reflected consciousness. consciousness. Yes. That is question number one. And the question number two is you talked about vritti bhapti follow bhapti yes. and brahmo bhapti brahmakara vritti brahmakara bhapti hmm. now the question is how we achieve the brahmakara bhapti okay it's not brahmakara bhapti it's brahmakara vritti that vritti bhapti itself is brahmakara vritti but anyway it's a good question two questions and it covers the entire field of Advaita Sadhana. <laughs> precise, precise question. Fantastic questions. First question is, if you know where he's coming from, you're asking a question from the point of view of yoga. Patanjali yoga, the path of meditation. What is this path? This is the path of knowledge. Jnana yoga. But the path of Raja yoga, they say a very interesting thing there. What is the goal of Raja yoga? The goal of Raja yoga is chitta vritta what is yoga? What is meditation? Complete cessation of all the modifications of the mind. Make the mind completely silent. Now immediately you can ask a question which he, which he has caught. The problem will be, what are we recommending here? Give up all the vrittis about the world, but raise a vritti in the mind about Brahman. So your mind must have a vritti about Brahman. Brahmakara vritti. Vritti of the form of Brahman or, of the, uh, or about Brahman. No vritti about the world. That's, that's okay. But vritti about Brahman. But yoga says no vritti at all. Let the mind fall silent. Then only you will get illumination. Right? So do you see the question? No vritti or vritti? Not think of anything at all? or think about Brahman, what are you going to do? The difference is a difference in philosophy. I'll answer in brief, it'll take a long lecture to answer it. The whole question is, is knowledge the way to realization or is samadhi the way to realization? This is a deep question. I'm not going to go into that, but let me give you the answer in brief, answer to this question in brief. The whole question turns on what is the problem which you are trying to overcome? Yoga also says you are Purusha, pure consciousness. Advaita also says you are Satchidananda, pure existence consciousness place. Then what is the problem? According to Advaita, the problem is ignorance. We do not know what we are. According to yoga, the problem is the activities of the mind the pure consciousness tends to take the form of the activities of the mind. Vritti sarupya mitaratra. 
Whatever form the mind takes, the pure consciousness gets identified with it. Now what is the solution? If ignorance is the problem, what will be the solution? You can immediately tell me. Knowledge. I don't know physics. What is the solution to my problem? No physics. Attend a class, go to the professor, read a book, watch documentaries, you know physics. Knowledge is the solution for ignorance. But if the activity of the mind is the problem, then what is the solution? Silence of the mind. So it depends on which philosophy you are coming from. If you come from yoga philosophy, the way out is silencing the mind in samadhi. And if you are coming from non-dual Vedanta, Advaita Vedanta philosophy, the goal is not samadhi, but the goal is knowledge. What will they criticize the each other? The yogi will say, all your reading and all that, it's just disturbing the mind further. Quieten the mind, you will get realization. And the Advaitin will say, what good is it sitting quietly like a fool? You need to know what you are. You don't need to sit quietly. It's just quietening the mind would be realization, then going to sleep would be realization. It's quiet, mind is quiet and sleep. So these are two approaches. Now, well, I remember I met this young Swami in the Himalayas. He was sitting in a cave and meditating. Um, why didn't you sit? Because I think people behind can't see you. Yeah. Yeah. I met this young Swami in the Himalayas, very young man. He was 19 or 20 years old. and sitting in a cave in Gangotri. And he was from Nepal. And he was practicing Patanjali Yoga, trying to get Samadhi. Uh, and he had these dreadlocks and uh, very nice young man. I was speaking to him, speaking with him. So I asked him, because my tendency is more towards reading books. <laughs> I asked him, uh, what about Vedanta? You're speaking about Ashtanga Yoga. But what about Vedanta? Don't you like Vedanta? And then he said, yeah, I like it, but I have a problem. What problem? These Vedantins, they talk a lot. They have no experience. <laughs> so that's what a yogi will say about the Vedantin. You just read books and give lectures. But we yogis have the experience. So this is the difference. Now practically, however, the difference is not so much in sadhana. I asked... Uh, um, in fact, I heard this from... A, a staunch non-dualist Swami, Advaitin Swami in Himalayas. What exactly is what do you mean by Brahmakara Vritti? Vritti about, this is the second question. Vritti about Brahman. And he smiled and he said, Nirvishayaman. The mind which is awake without any object. It's almost the same as Chitta Vritti Nirodha. Almost. You come up through Nir... Shravana, Manana, Nididhyasana, not without Shravana, Manana, Nididhyasana. Just sitting quietly will not do it. But a pure mind focused on Brahman at one point will become Nirvishaya. Nirvishaya is a beautiful Sanskrit word without object. Mind is fully awake. Imagine deep sleep while you are fully awake. If you can imagine such a state. Paradoxical. Paradoxical. Deep sleep, absolute shutdown, world, mind, just without any object, yet completely awake. Nirvishaya mana. But that is accomplished through Shravana Manana Nididhyasana. 
Brahmakaravritti. He said, this is the this is you will not find generally in books, but he told me this one. That uh, at that point, it becomes Nirvishaya. But it requires a pure mind and a mind soaked in Vedanta for getting to that Nirvishaya. Very, so these two questions are really comprehensive. But the whole class can be on these two questions. One more question. Yes, there's a question there. Thank you, Swami. Um, maybe to, to continue on that thought too, it, it feels sometimes that um, when we talk about the reflected consciousness that aren't you gonna be reflecting clearer with a calmer mind or a quieter mind or a stiller mind? And, and in that too, there's a, almost feels like a third part of uh, what people talk about, about being in the moment, right now in this moment, as opposed to your mind wandering Yes. Elsewhere. All right. You're right. That again brings us to yoga philosophy. The second sutra in Yoga Sutra says, Yoga Chitta Vritti Nirohuda. Complete cessation of the thoughts of the mind. Vritti of the mind is yoga. You might ask why? What good does it do to calm down the mind? The second, third sutra tells us, Tada Drashtu Swarupi Avasthanam. Exactly what you said. When the mind is completely calm, the reflection you said, but there what, what it say, is, says there is the witness inside, the drashta, the pure consciousness inside, is appreciated, is caught in its real nature, is appreciated in its real nature. Tada drashtu swarupi avasthanam. When the mind is completely calm, no vritti, then the witness consciousness remains in its true nature. Otherwise, what happens? Whatever wave comes in the mind, the witness consciousness gets identified with that. Anger, I am angry. Misery, I am miserable. Desire, I want. Calmness, absolutely nothing. Not even I am calm. No, no wave comes on the surface of the mind. Swami Vivekananda in his commentary on the Raja Yoga, that, that sutra says, imagine a lake. Two conditions must be satisfied. First, there must be no waves. Second, the water must be clear, clean. Clean water, no waves, no agitation. Then you can see all the way through to the bottom of the lake. That's an illustration given in Raja Yoga. Clean water means pure mind. No waves means calm mind. Remember, calm mind and pure mind are two different things. Agitations on the mind are like waves. It may be absolutely calm, but the water is muddy. You can't see through. The water is not clear, it's dirty, then you cannot see through. Water is clear, but agitated by waves. Then you still you cannot see through. No waves, crystal clear water. You can see right through to the bottom. That is the path of yoga. Yes. So meditation, that's what's accomplished. The Advaitins will have a few strong words to say about that, but I will not go into that. Yeah. All right, let's end today. Om Shanti 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 Hari Om Tat Sat Shri Ram Krishna Rupanamastu